Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Second Take. Today, we will be diving in to the Cincinnati Bengals. What the heck is going on with Dallas? And are the Bills alive again? All that and more coming up on Second Take. And to jump right into it, Ryan, what do you think about Cincinnati? 3-0 and um, over the past three weeks. Um, just to lay out some statistics for you. Jake Browning, the guy that was traded from Minnesota, got his revenge on Saturday night in an overtime thriller. He has been averaging 295 yards per game, a 107 passer rating. He's currently got seven touchdowns and three INTs on the year so far. What do you think of Cincinnati's chances in this wild AFC playoff race? You know, I like their chances, and for two reasons, right? This is a team that's really experienced making it to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. And ever since Joe Burrow went down, it almost feels like everyone else on that team has stepped up and started playing better, right? So the team as a whole, I mean, on the season, just for example, they're averaging 84 yards per game, been their last, or 84, 84 yards per game rushing, been their last three wins, they're averaging 115 yards per game rushing, right? And that's just not the running back. It's the offensive lineman. It's the receivers blocking on the outside. But also reason number two is they kind of have a diamond in a rut in the rough that was sitting there in the backup in Jake Browning. I mean, in his four starts, they're three and one in 2019. He was undrafted from Washington and he hadn't played an NFL game until this year. So for him, is just strictly practices and preseason. So his first legit NFL passing attempt was when Joe Burrow went down against the Ravens. And he's honestly been everything they needed him to be. He is at worst been a game manager. He's not losing games for them. And if anything, he's been able to make a couple plays here and there um, to help the team win. And they're eight and six now. Uh, the Steelers are trending down. They've been trend, trending upwards. Um, you know, the Browns have Joe Flacco starting. I think they have a real shot. Uh, and if I were a betting man, I would bet on the Bengals making it to the playoffs. Yeah, I am extremely impressed with how this team responded when Joe Burrow went down. I thought that was the end, like most people did, of their chances of making any noise postseason wise yet alone even getting into their getting into the playoffs but three wins against three quality teams that are all currently in playoff spots i mean the jaguars the colts colts are fighting alongside them to make the playoffs and then the vikings on the other side of the bracket currently hold a playoff a wild card spot so it's not like they're beating up on scrubs uh in this three game win streak that they have going on my only stipulation when it comes to Cincinnati versus maybe the field that they're going against is they have a relatively difficult schedule. The Steelers, it's never a walk in the park next week. Mike Tomlin, I know that team has struggled mightily on the offensive side of the ball so far this year. But it's never a walk in the park unless it was today, I guess, because the Colts just kind of shied on them this weekend. So, uh but then they have the Chiefs and the Browns that are both kind of trying to position themselves and lock themselves in to higher playoff seating. So none of the teams that they're playing are just going to roll over and die, right? Whereas the Texans, they have a relatively easy schedule. Um, so, you know, I think it's just going to be a crazy wildcard race to end the year. And I'm not sure if I could be confident in saying that Cincinnati will for sure make the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, I think personally, I feel like they're playing better football than the teams remaining on their schedule. But as you mentioned, anything can happen. Teams are going to start to get desperate to end the season. You never know when someone's going to come out and really give it to you for a game. I just like how this team, they have experience doing it, not at the QB spot, but everywhere else on their roster. Sure. So as long as Jake Browning, because he has three interceptions in his five games played, not quite sure about the fumbles, but as long as he keeps those turnover numbers low and he's not throwing the game for them, they're going to have a chance to win the football games. Um, 
just because of what he's been able to do. But as you mentioned, there are this year a lot of teams with the opportunity to make the playoffs. A lot of teams playing pretty well overall. Um, some uglier than others. Obviously, the Steelers are always a slugfest no matter who they play. Week. The Colts are kind of a in terms of being in such a front-running position with their backup QB. So, you know, like you said, anything can happen. But, you know, I'm not confident that they could make noise in the playoffs necessarily because I think you need more of a QB when that time comes around. But to, able to, but to be able to win in the regular season, I think the Bengals have just as good of a chance, if not a little better, than some of the teams that are out there. Yeah. All in all, super impressive what they got going on there because when a team is supposed to fold like everyone thought they were, they responded the opposite way, right? They came out, they've been punching people in the mouth, and I just love to see it. I love a team that is resilient and that fights, and I honestly hope they get in because that'd just be an awesome story. They started out the year 0-3, they went on a pretty good win streak, then they lose their star quarterback, and then they still get into the playoffs. I mean, that's that's a heck of a story. Um, and... If you think about it, Jake Browning is going to earn himself a contract and probably yep. a starting spot somewhere if that does happen. Probably will. If and if there's anything that we've learned this year, it's the importance of having a quality backup quarterback. Absolutely. And Jake Browning is just another example of that. Uh, moving on to another team that's currently fighting and positioning for positioning in the AFC wildcard. The freaking Bills, just when I thought I could quit on them, come out these last two weeks and punch two quality opponents right in the face, beating the Dallas Cowboys back to reality after they were riding their high horse against Philadelphia. What is there to make of this? Is this more good Buffalo or suspect Dallas? Is this more of a a Dallas just choking, or is this something that AFC teams should be concerned about? I actually think this is more about Dallas than it does about Buffalo. Buffalo's thing all year has just been their inconsistency, you know, because when they're beating teams, they beat the crap out of them. But, you know, sometimes when they play close games, especially on the road this year, they just haven't really been the same. But historically, with Josh Allen and their head coach, they've been really good in the ending months of the of the season, December and January, I think, as a tandem. They've only lost two games So we know the Bills are talented. We know that they can win games. But on the Dallas side, I mean, they have beaten one team over 500 this year, the Eagles at home. Eagles are a good team. I'll give it to them. They won that game. But that's really all they've done, and nothing else about their season has necessarily been super impressive because they haven't beaten anyone else over 500. And they've been killed multiple times by teams that are actually good football teams. At least when Buffalo plays, most of their games are relatively close. They're not getting murdered by these teams. I mean, even San Francisco killed Dallas. Like, I'm just not confident in Dallas. I never really was. You know, next week will be interesting um, between the battle of teams that don't beat good teams, Dallas and Miami will be playing. So that's going to be a fun game uh, to check Can't out. Can't wait for it. Circle your calendars, which one's more of a fraud. Been saying it <laughs> exactly. for three weeks. So I'm, yeah, I honestly, I think it says more about the Cowboys than it does the Bills because I'm not that surprised that the Bills are eight and six despite their inconsistency. Yeah, so for all the reasons why you said what you said, I'm going with the, this is the better Buffalo side of things. Mostly because we've known ever since that San Francisco game, really ever since that Arizona Cardinals game, that the Dallas Cowboys are pretty boys. They're front runners. They beat up on bad teams. And last week, you know, they beat up on Philadelphia. And I was like, okay, maybe they're turning a leaf, but I'm not going to, we didn't come out jumping on the bandwagon again for Dallas because you just never should do that. If it's one thing I've learned this year, never jump on the Dallas bandwagon because as soon as you do, they do this. Okay. So we've learned nothing new about Dallas. This is the same old Dallas. What I'm surprised by is that Buffalo showed that they were actually a good team because this is what good teams does 
do to Dallas. They come out, they run down their throat, and they score 31 points with Josh Allen not even have to throw for over 100 yards. If you're telling me that Josh Allen would only complete seven passes for 94 yards and the Buffalo Bills would win by three touchdowns, I think you'd be, I thought you'd be crazy. Just goes to show that this team is a scary team for anyone in the AFC. And everybody on the AFC side of the bracket was rooting for Dallas because now Buffalo is live and well in the hunt. You do not want to see Buffalo when it comes playoff time because they can beat anybody and and everybody on that side of the bracket. It's it's so wide open. And to be fair, I think a big reason, the most like going kind of to your point, for me, the most impressive thing from Buffalo has been James Cook's emergence in recent weeks. Um, they haven't really had much of a running game since Josh Allen has been there besides him running the ball. And now James Cook is a little more involved in the running big game, definitely big uh, in their passing game recently. And today he had more total yards than Dallas, at least when the game was still being played with starters, right? He had over 200 yards of total offense. Dallas hadn't even got to 100 by the time the fourth quarter hit. Like, he was having a game, and I think his emergence has been big for Buffalo. And it's probably a reason why they've been able to pick it up a little bit. But also, you know, Buffalo's used to being good. The pressure was starting to get there, and they've decided to step up. And I agree with you. I think they could win a couple games in the playoffs. I still don't see them as true contenders. I still have them on my pretender side. But they can definitely upset someone and ruin a team season. I like Buffalo more as the dark horse than I do as a true contender because it seems like whenever they're favored in a game, they don't show up. And whenever they're slighted by the media, they show up. That The proof is in the pudding. You know, ever since that Jets game on the 19th of November when they blew them out of the water, they've played three quality opponents over the past three weeks. The Eagles where they lost in an overtime thriller. They beat Kansas City, and then they put the smack down on Dallas. All three of those games, they were not favored. They were supposed to lose, right? Well, Philadelphia, they they could have won. Uh, the Chiefs, they did. They put the beat down on Dallas. I like them more as the underdog, quote-unquote, because this team for an 8-6 and six team has all the talent in the world. So I kind of like the position they're in where they're just kind of playing with nothing to lose at this point because everyone's kind of already written them off until now. You know, come tomorrow when we post this, everyone's going to be jumping on the build man wagon again. But I like them more as that dark horse. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're in the AFC because if they were in the NFC, we'd probably be looking at them as the third best team on the side of the conference. And currently, they're not even in the playoff picture in the AFC. So, I mean, to your point, they are kind of fighting that uphill battle. And, you know, this team has failed to show up when they're at their the peak of their powers or everyone believes in them, which is kind of funny because it feels like Dallas does that a little bit too. So maybe both teams have a little bit um, of that in them. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the end of the season goes for them because – they went through the toughest part of their schedule and people thought that after this little thing here, they'd be out, out of the playoffs, but instead they're looking better after that tough stretch. They did going into it for, so that it's is true. a positive and thing to take away from the Bills. I'm going to ask you the same question that I did for the Bengals. Are they getting in? Mm. They have the chargers, the Patriots, and then the dolphins. Yeah, I think they're getting into. I just both of these teams preseason we both thought would win the division. Um, I still think they both have really good rosters. They're playing their best football at the end of the season, you know. Whereas I don't believe so much in a team like the Browns uh, with Joe Flacco or well the Colts. You know, like they're decent, but are they going to be able to keep this up. I think both of those teams have legit chances and they'd be my two favorite wildcard teams just because I think they have the most talent on their rosters. The Bengals and the 
and the Bills. Bills. Well, if we look at it currently right now, the Bills are in ninth place in the AFC. Everyone's tied at eight and six pretty much for six, seven, eight, and nine are all tied at eight and six. You got Pittsburgh, Denver. Um, Denver and Pittsburgh would both probably have to win out, in my opinion. Um, Buffalo, unless they go in and crap the bed against the Chargers and the uh, Patriots, they're looking at at least a 10-7 and record to finish the year. Now, Miami could wrap up the division and not be able to win the the conference, so they might honestly rest people heading into that final week unless there's a matchup advantage that they're trying to hunt. So they could win out that Miami game. You know, they've kind of historically owned Miami. Um, That Miami game could also be a crapshoot, too. I'm not trying to say that Miami will just throw the talent on that game, but if they're going into that game 12-4 and and they're pretty much locked into the second seed, what's the point in really risking injury, right? I'm saying that could be an option. So that team could easily go 11 and six, the Buffalo bills, uh, Cincinnati. They got the chiefs. They got, uh, the Steelers and they have Cleveland. So honestly, what, what, what has Cleveland shown you? that makes you kind of suspect to not really believing in them. It doesn't have anything to do with their defense. It has everything to do with their offense, the offensive side of the football. I mean, even look at it today, they almost lost the bears on a crazy Hail Mary that was almost caught their defense. Like Pittsburgh has to make plays for them to win. And that's a lot harder on the defensive side of the football, especially when your offense isn't giving you the help. I mean, they've lost Deshaun Watson now. They've lost Nick Chubb now. I just, I don't know if they have enough to run through at the end of the season. Um, I don't, not sure what their whole schedule looks like going forward, but I could see the Browns dropping. I could see the Colts dropping. You know, the Steelers, I already thought were trending down. They're still trending downward. Um, you know, and even the Steelers, Kenny Pickett is still out, I believe. So his whole thing is still kind of in question. Um, you know, the teams I probably feel best about in the wild card race, uh, besides the Bengals and the Bills, I'd say are the Texans I feel pretty good about. And then the Broncos would be the fourth team, but they probably honestly need someone to lose and for them to win out to get in. Because even if they win out, some of these other teams might they like they still might not get in even going 10 and 7. Well, the final week of the year, you've got the Bengals play the Browns. That's essentially a playoff game. Right? You have the Colts playing the Texans. That's essentially a playoff game. Um if either one of those four teams kind of lose before that pivotal week 18 matchup, then I could see a team like the Broncos or, I mean, the Steelers. I don't like the Steelers as much as I do the Broncos. Yeah. But then I could see a team like the Broncos sneaking in. Because, like you said, at current pace, they need a handful of those teams to lose. You know, at least two games, unless they have a tiebreaker with the play, the team that they're they're going against. Um so I guess lay it on me. If you had to pick the three wildcard teams in the AFC, who are you going with with three weeks left to go? Finally, I would go with the Browns, Bengals, and Bills. The Browns, I think, well, I don't feel great about them right now. They would really have to have a big collapse to fully drop out, being at 9-5 and five currently. Um, the Texans would be really, really close, but I think you said they play the Colts, right? still to end the year i think Mm -hmm. that game could probably be a really big game um especially if they're able to drop out the colts but you know texans are still a young team um i don't know if cj i don't remember if cj stroud played today or not but they did beat the titans it was a big game for them um 
So, yeah, I would go with Bills, Bengals, and Browns to fill out the wild card spot with the Texans and Broncos being close, but not quite getting there. I like that bunch. Um, this is hard. I, I think your two locks are Buffalo and Cleveland. Mm. I really do. From there... It all depends on what happens week 18 between Houston, Indy, and the Bengals-Browns game. Because the Browns, uh, their schedule to finish out the year is they play the Texans, so that's a huge one. That's probably a playoff game too. So if the Browns beat the Texans, I think it's over for the Texans. Uh, Then they play the Jets, who... You know, is Aaron Rodgers coming back, really? Are they really going to put him in? Whatever. Uh, And then they play Cincinnati. So all of these teams have a pretty rough schedule, except for the Broncos. Yeah. Right. So the Broncos can win out, but they don't control their destiny. And, dude, the thing with Denver. So Denver plays, what was it, the Pats, the Raiders, and the Chargers, right? It's very likely they're able to win those three games unless they you know, don't come ready, which I'd be a little surprised this late in the year. But so they own the tiebreaker with the Bills. The Texans own own the tiebreaker over them. And then they also own the tiebreaker over the Browns if the Browns do happen to drop far enough. So three of those teams, or what was it? Two of those teams, uh, they own the tiebreaker with, which could be big just because of head-to-head. And even the Texans one could be big if they they both finish with the same record because the Texans would get in over Denver. Um, And the fact that a lot of these teams play each other at the end of the year, Colts, Texans, Bengals, Browns, um, you know, the Steelers will have to play the Bengals um, again. So, you know, it can get really messy. And, you know, the Broncos might make it just because the other teams beat up on each other, to be honest. Yeah. I I kind of have already written out the Steelers, mostly because yeah. their team is just it's just the offense, the offense is, so, is rough. so terrible, and their defense is not at the caliber that the Browns is. Um, it's really going to come down to this week. The marquee matchup is the Browns versus the Texans. If the Texans pull that off, then they really do improve their chances of making the playoffs. If the the Browns can eliminate the Texans from playoff contention, in my opinion, this week. Well, the Browns would essentially, if they win that game, they they're lock probably in. in. Yeah, they're probably yeah. in. So the Browns can lock in a playoff spot with a win over the Texans and simultaneously kind of knock out the Texans um, for the Bills, for the, you know, the Colts, unless everyone loses that week, kind of like what happened last week. Dude, I don't know. This is so hard. Well, but I really do think the Browns and the Bills are. You're. Are, I hate saying that because every time I put my confidence in the Bills, they pull a Cowboys. They pull a Dallas Cowboys, and they lose to the the Patriots Week 17 against a team that's not trying to win. But I think those two are your, your locks. Um, but it really is going to come down, especially for the Browns against the Texans this week. Well, and to be fair. It's not even guaranteed at this point that the teams like the Chiefs and the Jaguars win their division because the Jags are 8-5. and I wonder what the result of their current game is. Uh, They're currently playing the Ravens. They they got whacked. They lost to the Ravens. So they're 8-6 and now, if that's the case. Now, they they just own the tiebreakers against everybody. Yeah, so they have the same record as the Colts and the Texans. So who's to say that the Jags are even safe? And kind of the same deal with the Chiefs. I mean, I, they beat the Pats today, who aren't very good. But they didn't necessarily look great. I mean, Kelsey had like five receptions, Rice had nine, and none of their other receivers did anything. Tony had another drop that led to an interception. He's kind of becoming a big weakness for that team. So, you know, the Chiefs, they don't take the end of the year seriously too they could kind of fumble to denver with Denver's schedule being so easy so they really have to lock in and win at least a game or two um because like i said neither of those teams have locked up their division 
by far, like a lot can still happen there, especially in the AFC South. The Jaguars play the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans. So they have a relatively soft schedule to end the season. Yes. I don't see them not taking care of business. And they also own the tiebreaker on pretty much everybody in their division because they they have at least one win against the Texans. They beat the Colts twice already. Mm-hmm. So unless a catastrophic implosion Collapse. were to happen in Jacksonville, I'm pretty sure they got the 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 division locked up. Now, they could come out loose to the Bucks because the Bucks are the only other team on their schedule They're that decent. are actually fighting for something. Yeah. Uh-huh. The other two teams, by the time they play them, are quitting. They're, they should be in tank mode, try to position themselves for a better draft pick. Um, the interesting one is the Chiefs one, like you were saying, because they are not the same team. No, not even their, close. Their offense is just piss poor right now, and I don't think I would have ever expected this out of a team with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And to and be Andy fair, to coach. be fair, their schedule isn't the worst either. So they play the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Chargers. But this game by the Raiders is probably the Raiders' biggest game of the year because it's they their can only keep, hope. Yeah, they can keep themselves in the fight um for the playoffs, you know, outside chance for sure. But if if they lose, they're probably out. So they're going to get the Raiders' best shot next week. So that game, that's a game they could lose. And then, you know, the Bengals are out here fighting too. They're probably going to beat the Chargers. I'm not too concerned about that game. So they really need to, if they want to win the division, they need to take care of business against the Raiders, who are not as good as they are, but they might come out trying to play their best football. I mean, they scored 63 points last week against the Chargers after scoring zero the week before. So, you know, there's a big range of where the Raiders can be as a team, but they're probably going to get, the Chiefs are going to get the Raiders' best shot, and that's mm-hmm. a that's a big game for them. They have two elimination games these next two weeks, pretty much. Because mm-hmm. like you said, this is the Raiders' final hope to make the playoffs. They have to win out, and then they have to pray that other people lose, right? So the Raiders are in fight or flight mode ever since two weeks, like last last week. That's what we, ever since yesterday. <laughs> yeah, basically. We saw them drop 63 on the Chargers. Um, so they're going to get the Raiders' best punch, like you said, on Christmas Day. And then the Bengals are in the exact same position where it's a playoff game to them. In. Yep. Every game is a playoff game to them. So they are going to get two teams that are capable teams, you know, even though they're beat up at certain positions and they're not, they haven't been the most consistent teams. They're still talent enough on both sides. And the chiefs are vulnerable enough this year, as, as we've seen where things could get messy for them. Yeah. And they should win. They should win these games. They should win. They should, but there's a chance if they're not playing their best, they can drop these games. Yeah. They should win all three, lock up the division, but they should have also beaten the Packers. You know, they should have beaten the Broncos earlier in the year. They, they, they're, they're not the same team that we've come to expect. So they're definitely are vulnerable just because their offense isn't that explosive. The lack, yeah, the lack of weapons on that offensive side, Travis Kelsey, you know, being the biggest guy taking the hit from that, I feel like, just because teams know there's no one else to really throw the ball to. Um, you can yeah. leave Tony wide open. You can let him catch it, and he'll drop it, and he'll be an interception for the Patriots, like today. So, like, you know, they can just double-team Kelsey, and that kind of takes away your main offensive dude, and you're asking all these other dudes to make plays who it's not really their thing. They're like a check-down kind of guy, so... Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. That's Chiefs are a team to watch out for, you know. You don't just mark them as in quite yet. All right. Well, that's our little segment on week 14. Let us know what your thoughts are on the Cincinnati Bengals, their resiliency. Are the Bills legit? Or is this more fool's gold on part of the Dallas Cowboys? And 
What do you think will happen with the AFC wildcard race? Who's in? A lot of crazy stuff is going to happen these final three weeks of the year. Who are you most excited for if they were to make a playoff spot? Let us know down in the comments. And again, as always, don't forget to subscribe, follow, all of that good stuff. Now we're going to maybe, this could be a video, this could be a just a short-form content. could be both. But we are going to dive into the LeBron James eras. And we're going to rank them on a tier, tier list. So rank these LeBron James seasons on a tier list. We are going to start off with his 2010 season, his last season um, in Cleveland before he went to Miami with the infamous decision. Where would you rank this on a tier list? S tier, A tier, B tier. That was the year they lost to Boston in the conference finals, right? Yes. He just for reference, he averaged 29.7 points per game, so almost 30. Eight and a half assists, seven and a half rebounds a game in 76 games, making it to, uh, was it the semis or the conference finals? Because I know that season, I think it was the conference finals against. I know they lost to Boston, though. Yeah, they lost to Boston. Lost to. And that will never let that down. And do we want to compare this just as a LeBron standard or? Just as a LeBron season. As a LeBron, this is, this is my. I think this was his best year. They locked up the one seed. This was the best year he had in Cleveland before going to Miami. So that's why I picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, this one's. He was hard. jumping out of the gym. He didn't really shoot great, but he literally Where? Could, could. This was the year when he had that snippet when he went up for a lob. He didn't dunk it, but he caught it, and his hand was oh. backboard, and his head was above the entire rim. Like that's most peak athletic LeBron, in my opinion. Where would you rank this one first? I want to. I want to see what you think because I'm torn between two spots. So if we're ranked now, the reason why not all these can be S tier because if we're ranking this against average NBA players, they're all every S-tier. single one of these seasons is going to be S tier. But if we're ranking it against LeBron James and his standard, I'm going to go A tier. For LeBron James and his standard, I'm going with B tier because really? of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think you're discrediting it too much in terms of the quality of team he had. Yeah, yeah. In Cleveland, and he was great. able to win 65 games this year. Also, though, I because he wasn't. He was that was his athlete stage, a lot more athletic. I feel like he, through his career, he's got a lot better at shooting, and his mind and reading the game also expanded a lot more once he got to Miami. So I think he was still in the "I'm going to show up and I'm going to physically dominate you," which made it a little easier to guard him. Um, I know his team wasn't as good, but it's kind of how I'm feeling about that one. You're going B tier, I'm going A tier. Where's the compromise here? Which where are we putting it? Because I I honestly feel like he got his he improved a lot after this season. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Like he was a lot better at a lot of other things going forward. It might be one of his athletic peaks, but I don't think anything else was as good as it has ended up being for him. Well, I mean, statistically, this is one of his best years too, though. I mean, this yes. is his second highest, third highest career points per game. Um, he scored more than he ever did in Miami or even the second stint with Cleveland. He, the also, really only downside is that he didn't make the finals when everybody thought he was supposed to. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at it, so he played a lot more minutes than he basically has for the rest of his career. And like you said, the team wasn't as good so his numbers should be better right um so in his individual season i'm okay putting it in the a tier honestly because i do agree with you i think it was his best season in cleveland so if we want to put it in the a tier that works pre-2016 right yeah yeah i'm gonna go a tier simply because it was it was the best year he had first stint in cleveland Mm mm-hmm 
So it was. Um, all right, we're gonna move move on to a more interesting season. Uh, we're not gonna go chronological here. Okay. We're gonna go 2020 LeBron. Year that they won the finals in LA, COVID year. You know, it was point LeBron. Where would you rank this? The LeBron standard. For LeBron standard, you know, I would go with A tier for LeBron standard. I mean, they just had the best team in the NBA and it wasn't even close. So it kind of felt like he didn't have to. He didn't have to do as much as he's had to before, right? I mean, him and AD were super important to that team. Um, he was really he was the point guard that year, and he led yep. the league in assists, though. So there is that, but that's why I'm asking. I mean, he's yeah. averaging ten assists a game, twenty five yeah. points. Right, the first time we really ever point. saw point LeBron. That's really the only time we ever did. Let's see how many games was it that year? 67 games played. 67, COVID kind of shut it, cut it short, though. COVID. I'm still going to say A tier because I do believe part of that was because the season was a little bit shorter. um, And so, you know, they didn't get as much mileage on their bodies, which is why AD was able to stay healthy through the bubble. So not to any fault of his own, I still go A tier for LeBron standards. Um just because the way the season played out. Didn't have to play as much. Had a big three-month break in between. So. I agree. I'm going to go A tier. Um, it's not. It's tough because, like, are we just going to shove everything in A&S tier, you know, and just call it a day? But the reason why, for me, I'm going A tier is because it was the first and only time we've ever seen his passing ability on full display. And that was just a joy to watch. Mm -hmm. There was one play that I remember where he was driving down the lane, okay, and he spun, and then he, like, flung the ball around his head, kind of in this motion where he went fake to the opposite corner and threw it like this behind his head to the opposite corner. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before in my life. So I'm going a tier. It's not his best season, but it was probably the most joyful I've seen LeBron play because he's played his true position, which is just the, the best floor general I've ever seen. You know, no, no discredit to magic Johnson, but that was the best point guard I've ever seen play basketball. So, um, a tier for sure. Moving on to a bunch of elite prime LeBron years, and this is where it's probably just going to be S tier, S tier, S tier. But if that ends up being the case, we're going to have us make a decision between which LeBron is the best LeBron. So we're going to start with 2012 LeBron. It's the bounce back year after they lost to Dallas horrifically in the finals. Comes back. Locked in. Where are you putting it at this? Yeah, this one gets S tier. This was, at this point, he literally became what his nickname is. He became the king. And his time in Miami and Cleveland, even early in L.A., he did not let go of that. It really just kind of started his path of coming to greatness from here going forward, right? He wanted this one probably more than any of the other ones. This is the whole reason why he came to Miami in the first place. And him and D-Wade just put on an absolute show. And they had to beat a really good Spurs team to get this. Wait, no, no, no. This was OKC. So this was the OKC team first. The next year was the Spurs. Mm-hmm. So they had to beat Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook to get this ring, which made OKC not work out overall. Um, yeah, S-tier. This is also the year that uh, Derrick Rose won the MVP, I believe. Let me just fact check that. No, it was not. What year was that? Was it the year KD won MVP? I think D. Rose might have won the year before. Got all my years. 2011. 
So is that 2011-2012 season or 2010-2011 season? So the year 11-12 would be 2012 MVP. 10-11 would be 2011 MVP. So, yeah, D-Rose won 2011. So LeBron actually won it that year in Miami. So when they went back-to-back, he won MVP both of those years. I can kind of, I'm just going to kind of uh, muddle those two seasons together, 2011-2012, 2012-2013, the back-to-back years, mm-hmm. LeBron James. Definitely S-tier, back-to-back MVPs, probably the best defensive LeBron we've ever seen. Yes. Um, but his offense still hasn't wasn't fully polished at that point. Um, and now we're getting into probably his favorite and most iconic year if he were to rank a season. 2016 LeBron. Statistically speaking, you know, tad underwhelming on the scoring points. Only 26 points a game. You know, comparing that to earlier years, it's less. Mm-hmm. But where would you put this? Also S tier. I mean, he was playing with Kyrie and Kevin Love, and at this point he was totally okay with letting Kyrie take the lead scoring um wise say hey go do your thing let me help you out be great that's kind of what I felt like uh this year was and I know he didn't shoot great from three this year but basically um after this year for the rest of his career he kind of put it together and I really feel like when he was in Cleveland he was carrying the most on his shoulders that he had at any point in his NBA career that second stint in Cleveland because he was absolutely carrying them to all kinds of wins, right? We saw the finals that they were losing the golden state is averaging almost a 40 point triple double pretty close to that. Like, you know, this is still that era of LeBron. I put the, I put this LeBron in the S tier too. I mean, he won Cleveland their first ring ever, something that they had never had before as well. And that's really impressive to me. If I'm just going off of the regular season statistics, this is one of her his down years. Mm-hmm. He only averaged 25 points a game, seven assists, seven rebounds. To put that in perspective, he's basically doing that right now at 40 years old. So, <laughs> 12 years regular later. season, LeBron. This is one of his down years. 2015, 2016 season. I would put it B tier or maybe but, smack dab in the middle. Now we, we are considering what happened yeah. in the playoffs. That is what takes it over the top. His playoff run takes whatever he did in the regular season, flushes it down the drain because coming back from three, one against the warriors, averaging a 35 point triple double in the finals to do so erases everything you did in the regular season. That was the best finals I'd ever seen in my life. Honestly, it was the yeah. best finals I'd seen. So it gets S tier because of his playoff run. But if we're just going off of the totality of, of the, you know, yeah. regular season, this is honestly below average LeBron James. Yeah, I agree with you. It'd be like C tier LeBron regular season. It really would be, which be is crazy C-tier. to say he had yeah. such a good playoff run that it took a C year, a an average year for LeBron, a C-level year, and elevated it to possibly the best season he's ever had. That's to be debated, but... And look at it. So from Cleveland's perspective, this was the years kind of when he was in Miami and Cleveland where the East was so weak, they were like kind of just coasting through the regular season. They get a two or a three seed, didn't really try that hard, and then just go hard in the playoffs, right? It's just kind of that deal where you're like, okay, it's going to be LeBron against Golden State. It's going to be LeBron against whoever makes it on the other side, on the West. And that's just kind of how it was at this point. So he was just coasting through these regular seasons, right? Getting his rest, which probably added a little bit to his longevity um, when you look back at it. But that was also this period of time. Yeah, he. this was kind of the the time period where he was more about load management, getting to the playoffs. He didn't care what seed he had because he knew he could just run through the East no matter what. Um, But S tier because of the playoffs, if we're just going off regular season, probably C tier, like you were saying, which is crazy. That just goes to show how special those playoff, that playoff run was. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to what a lot of people call LeBron's best year. 
in terms of what he was able to do on the court. 2018 LeBron, the only year he played all 82 games and made it to the finals, got swept, but, you know, averaged 27.5 points, nine assists, almost nine rebounds per game. The full scoring LeBron at display. This was the second best three point percentage year for him outside of this year. And this year, I mean, we haven't really even gotten to the halfway point. So, where are you ranking 2018 LeBron on a tier list? Oh, this one's so hard because everything in like I want to say S tier so bad, but they just they didn't win a ring, and it's not really his fault either. Like, you know, that we're playing the absolutely, I believe, was it still Golden State who they were playing at that time? Like, yeah, with KD and everybody. They just didn't really have a chance, and that's not really his fault. But at the same time, like, I feel like I got put A tier just because it wasn't quite as special as some of these other years that he had. Like, the year before he had in Cleveland, just because of that playoff run coming back 3 1, like, that was more impressive than the season even though they played the KD Warriors so if it was any other year it probably would have been higher but I I gotta put I just gotta put a tier you know this team wasn't quite as good but at this point this was probably the best basketball LeBron had ever been playing though at the same time so like I'm really torn on this I have to put this S tier yeah you know I wasn't I, even I, here I agree for this. I agree I was I in agree. Mexico Right. I was in Mexico, so I wasn't even here to see all this. But I came home, and I just had to watch. I All I had to do was watch replays. This was the most confident LeBron James I think I have ever seen, at least with his scoring package. He shot 54% from the field, 37% from three, averaged 9, 9, and 28 pretty much. You know, we've seen as of late, LeBron can still put up a lot of points. 2021, 2022 is the most points per game he played. He only played 56 games, right? This was the last glimpse of fully healthy LeBron James that we have. And he balled out of his mind. He really did. He took freaking four players that... Are, I don't even know if all four of them are starting caliber players in the NBA. And took them to the finals. Right? I I don't know. I just think this is... I If I had to pick a year in terms of best basketball LeBron has ever played, it's not maybe the best um, year he's had in terms of winning awards. Mm-hmm. Or how far they've made it in the playoffs because he's won the finals. He didn't win the finals this year. He didn't win an MVP. But I think that is the best LeBron James he's ever played. You put that LeBron James on 2010-2011 Miami, they sweep Dallas. You put that LeBron James in even 2013-2014 Miami when they lost 4-1 to the Spurs, he might take them to seven. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. You put that LeBron James in 2014-2015 Cleveland, even with the Kyrie injuries, they might win that series just because he's that much more comfortable scoring the ball from the three-point line, from mid-range. This was the the LeBron fadeaway era. Ah, yes. And I think this is his best, the best basketball I've ever seen him play. Yeah, I actually, I do agree with you. I'd say S-tier, thinking about it, because... Basically, all so I think his second stint in Cleveland is the best version of LeBron that we've seen in his career. I think this is when he was at his peak and he was at his best. Not saying that like he's fallen off a cliff or anything now. He just had the full package then. He still had the crazy athleticism then that he doesn't have now with everything else skill-wise that he has now. And he really took a step forward in his early 30s skill-wise. That just doesn't happen, like, almost ever. So 
it did it, it does have to be s tier this was the best second stint cleveland lebron was the best lebron hard to argue very hard to argue um and the final year that i'm going to bring up is this year currently 2023 2024 40 year old lebron still averaging 25 7 and 7 cuz he can do that in his sleep as we've seen where would you put this at the season end of today 24 games in on a lebron james tier list i put it on b tier um he's still playing great still fantastic still one of the best players in the nba but at the same time like you can tell he picks and chooses his moments he's trying to conserve himself um he understands he can't do everything anymore um he can't go 100% every minute he's in the game you know he's playing his lowest minutes played ever in his career currently at 33.8 and he's he picks and chooses when he needs to show up he shows up but if he doesn't have to he's going to let someone else go get it let someone else go do it um even on defense probably the worst defense of lebron we've seen yeah. he plays the old man defense where he sees a chance for him to get a play. He takes it, but otherwise he's just kind of chilling, right? So I will put it in the B tier. No argument there. I put it B tier as well, um, mostly because we're just comparing it to LeBron James, mm-hmm. right? I don't think this is his worst year, honestly, um, which is crazy. I really well, it's do better think than that- his rookie year, so... There in this rookie year, I do think that 2020-2021 year where he was dealing a lot with injuries is a bit mm-hmm. worse than this one um, so far. The saddest part about this whole Los Angeles Lakers stint, because we're going on year six. Can you believe that? Six years already in a Lakers uniform. Uh, he hasn't really broken the 60-game threshold outside of the year that he won the, the finals. And that was the bubble year. So like I said, they had like a three-month break in between. So that helped him out and helped AD out a lot. So I just hope, because if he can break that 60-game threshold, I think they're good enough to be a top three seed in the West, even though, you know, this year is just wild. Um, But they're going to have to if they want to have a legit chance. Mm -hmm. So he needs to get that 60-game mark. Uh, It's crazy. To think that he's still going at this pace, but B tier is a definite, definitely a good slot for this year. So, absolutely. All right, that is our podcast today. Again, let us know what you think LeBron's best year is. Uh, what's the best version of LeBron James? Let us know down in the comments. Um, and until next time, we will see you around. <laughs>